HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Burlap and Barrel, a public benefit corporation working directly with smallholder spice farmers around the world to source unique, beautiful spices for professional chefs and home cooks. You're listening to Item 13, an African food podcast, and I'm your host, Yom Akuaku. Every week, we'll delve into the delicious world of African food, including chefs, curators, and bloggers. Here's the show. Welcome to Item 13, Tayo. Thank you so much, Yom. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I've been following your um, account for a while now. I was attracted to it because it was called Low Carb Africa. Um, <laughs> as we're all trying to reduce the amount of carbs we have in our dice. And then just learning more about your story and how you ended up um, doing the work that you do. I thought it would be an interesting story to share with the audience. So I'm glad to have you here and uh, look forward to what we get down to today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so wanted to start with with you. I, um, what do you want to tell, I guess, the audience about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up, just to get a sense of who you are before we delve into your full story? Sure. My name is Taya Oredola. I am originally from Nigeria. I was actually born in Nigeria and came to the United States in my 20s. Um, I am a software engineer. I have an engineering background oh. and I'm still working as a software engineer. And uh, so I blog on, I, I, I usually say I'm a software engineer by day and a blogger by night <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly what I do. Yeah. Uh, I live in Austin, Texas and married with two kids, um, my son and my daughter. And um, let me see what else know about me. An interesting fact about me, my mom had seven girls and no boys. So oh, I'm the wow. third out of seven girls. And I have not met another family with seven girls and no boys. So oh, I'm still wow. searching. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think she was holding out for a boy? That's amazing, though. I have seven yeah. She was fun. Yeah, she was definitely holding out for a boy. But <laughs> God had different plans. So that did not happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I wonder then where, where and how did you learn how to cook even before we get into like your specific? Um... I come from a family of great cooks. My mm -hmm. grandmother had a restaurant in Benin 
um, that's the Edo State in Nigeria. And I still literally have memories of the jollof rice from that restaurant. <laughs> I mean, it left an impression on me that I can still remember the, mm. the smell and the taste of it. And my mom is, she's wildly cooked. I mean, she cooks dishes from almost every state in Nigeria. I mean, states, even places we never lived in. She can cook yeah. Igbo dishes, Calabar dishes. She can cook dishes from everywhere. And um, I think I really learned a lot about spices from her and how to spice of my dish. Because, I mean, her food was always so incredible that when I was in board, boarding school in Nigeria and it would be, we had visiting day, all my friends would gather to eat the food <laughs> my mom cooked. Like, no kidding. And they had food from their parents, but they were always in my corner, like, wanting to eat my food. I so, can imagine. You were that I, one person. I also went to boarding school in Ghana, so I can, I can almost imagine it, like, a visit, visiting Saturday when parents were yeah. food. There yeah. would always be the one person whose food was always, like, top-notch and everybody. Yeah, that was my mom. So I got all my training from her. Nice, nice. And so you, you know, you you got you had that background experience. Then you moved to the states, and mm-hmm. then after all of that delicious jollof rice and all that, you decide to go keto <laughs> to give up carbs. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Which is like to to the African food aficionado. That's just wrong i know <laughs> so I, how, I, how do you how did you like what what led you to keto what led you to a low carb diet i i promise you it was not an easy decision like when i started researching about it and found that i was gonna have to give up my jello fries and my fufu <laughs> i was like this is not gonna happen i mean it took me almost two years from when i started researching oh, wow. it actually implement it because like every African that grew up eating African food, the thought of giving up our food is like, yeah. you just want to starve to death. Like, what am, whatever am I, what am I going to eat now, you know? Yeah. So, um, but I was at a point in my life where I was having a lot of really weird symptoms and weird things going on with me that I could not understand. And I've always had migraines all my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, even it's growing up in like, exactly can you imagine how terrible that is Mm -hmm. and um when i was a kid growing up in nigeria they never diagnosed it as a migraine unfortunately Mm. malaria is like a blanket um diagnosis yeah (laughs) 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 so i was thought i had malaria but my mom told me that she always wondered why mine was different Mm. she said out of all her kids I was the only one that would hold my head and scream. And, and she said the malaria, malaria medication never worked on me. Mm. So I never got diagnosed, but I remember the pain and the nausea. But I, I thought that was how everyone experienced malaria. And then when I came over to the States, I kept having the weird headaches. I couldn't understand what was going on. And then I started, you know, working a very, very high stress job. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I started having migraines with aura. And oh. I remember the first day it happened to me and I thought I was losing my mind. I mean, oh suddenly I seen all these wavy lines and all these lights and I was holding my phone, but I couldn't see it mm. because it was all blurry. And I remember screaming because I thought, oh my God, what is happening to me? Am I losing my mind? Am I about to die? Like, what is this? And of course I was rushed to 
the emergency and the doctor said, oh, yeah, you have migraines with aura. And, and then he proceeds to lecture me about this is just another phase of migraines is it's, it's worse because the, the auras themselves are extremely nauseating mm-hmm. and it comes like a full 30 minutes before the migraine and you just know something bad is going to happen. And uh, my migraines began to last two to three days. They became oh, wow. just debilitating. And even when they passed, I will have what is called a migraine. Um, it, it felt like a migraine hangover where I couldn't still function for a few days after the migraine had passed. Wow. And, um, so I'm dealing with this migraines. And when I'm not having a migraine, I'm having a headache. I mean, it was just a lot of pain going on in my head region. Mm-hmm. And um, there were other weird things I couldn't understand. Like I was, I had a lot of vertigo. I was constantly busy, feeling like I'm about to, you know, fall. And so my doctor then, um, he just treated every symptom differently. And he called everything by a different name. For the (laughs) headache, you have migraines. For the vertigo, yeah, you have vertigo. For the nausea, yeah, you have nausea. You know, I had all these different diagnoses. A bunch of pills. I was just popping in like Tylenol. I can you know? imagine. That's so frustrating, though. Yes, it is. I I kept wondering why me. Like, why is no one else feeling what I'm feeling? Yeah. Like, what's going on with me? And um, and then I was very active. I used to work out almost every day. I did CrossFit for almost a year. Oh wow! Like the CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> my was, gosh. I was. I was really active, but then I had to actually quit CrossFit because the vertigo and the nausea mm, didn't work yeah. because CrossFit is very high intensity. And I kept feeling like I was about to fall. And I'm like, okay, something is going wrong here. So I quit CrossFit. And so I quit working out and then the weight began to pile on. And so I'm having all these weird symptoms. I'm gaining weight. Yeah. I mean, obviously the quality of my life was severely impacted. Yeah. Because I'm like, what is wrong with me? And then I started, somehow, I started really researching food, like just reading about food and nutrition and about how things you eat mm-hmm. affect your body. And all my research eventually led me to the keto diet. And when I first saw it, I'm like, this looks really interesting. I mean, I like the idea of not being hungry because yeah. I like food. I mean, I really <laughs> like food. <laughs> <laughs> and I I cannot just eat salads all day or something right, bland. I yeah. need richness, you know. I need the spices. Yeah. I need to. I need you know something filling and satisfying. And I like the idea that the keto diet offered that that you know you could eat all these healthy fats and be full and not be hungry. But but of course I have to give up rice and food food. I'm like oh no, this is not going to happen. So. Um, we moved, uh, my family, we were living in California at that time, okay. and we moved to Austin, Texas. And after we moved, my symptoms just got worse. I guess mm. it was the different, you know, Austin has its own allergies and all yeah. kinds of things going on. And my symptoms got worse, and I started getting quite depressed. You know, I was not happy, um, just feeling run down every single day. And someone somewhere mentioned the keto diet again. And so I said, you know what? I I have to choose. I mean, I had to really sit down and have a conversation with myself. Are you going to give up, you know, rice and, you know, fried plantain and fufu 
and feel good <laughs> or, <laughs> or feel like this for the rest of your life. And I'm like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I'm just going to try it. So at, at this point in time, I had no idea that this diet was going to help with my other symptoms. I was just looking to lose weight. Okay. Oh, and so I, I see. So that was the initial... That was, was more yes. about losing weight than you. It was about losing things. weight. Okay, okay. And then I started and my headaches disappeared. I, mm-hmm. I was like, no, some, this, this is weird. I mean, <laughs> even when I wasn't having a migraine, I had a headache almost every day. I had learned to live with a constant mm-hmm. headache. Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on? My headaches disappeared. And then one month, two months after, no migraines. And I was like, wait a minute, can this be the food? And I refused to believe it. I refused to believe it was the yeah. food. And so my friend invites me over to her house and serves me jollof rice. <laughs> After you've been doing keto for a few months. <laughs> for two months, yes. Yeah. She served me jollof rice. And I, and I went, you know what? I don't think it's the food. I'm just going to eat this. Enjoy this delicious meal of jollof <laughs> rice. And I dived into it and it was so good. And I got back home and like clockwork, the headache started. And it oh, graduated wow. into a migraine by, by, by nighttime. And, and so now I went digging in to really read about the effect of, of how keto heals the body. Mm. And I was amazed to realize that, oh my God, all these symptoms I was having, weird symptoms that no one could find what the root of the problem was, was because I had developed some kind of insens- insens- insensitivity to some carbohydrate foods. That's interesting. And it was eye-opening. It was life-saving. I mean, I became a keto, like, minister. Like, <laughs> anyone who came around me, I'm like, hey, you know, you should try this diet. And all my Nigerian friends would just roll their eyes. Like, what are you even talking about? Yeah, and I can imagine because like a lot of I, I, I don't know if we talked about this offline or when we started um yeah. on on the show, but like a lot of our foods are, are carb heavy, right? And that's what yes. um is challenging, right? So to say you're gonna give up <laughs> <laughs> one, the staple jalap, but then two, fufu and all of the other swallows uh, and stuff that go with with our uh, foods. Um exactly. is, is, that's 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 tough. And so then how, hmm, what do I want to tackle first? Oh, your family. So you, you, you said you were married, you have kids. Like, are you cooking at this point? Are you cooking separately for yourself? Like, how are you managing? Because my guess is you are probably the person that cooks for the family. Yes. <laughs> so my husband is also a really great cook. So he cooks sometimes. Okay. But um, I have, you know, I'm the one that I have a meal plan you know, that decides what's for lunch or right. something. Yeah. Freeze up brain space. <laughs> yeah. So what I try to do is like my daughter, she's eight and she loves my like my cauliflower rice. Like I cannot eat cauliflower rice without without her being by my side. She'll eat it with me. Um, but I'm not putting them on a keto diet. I try oh, to I find see. things that we can both eat where I have to make some substitutions. So for instance, um, I will make, you know, say fufu and egusi soup, 
And if my family eats the fufu, then I'll make my cauliflower fufu or my coconut. I'll make my own substitution. That way we can have meals that we share without me cooking everything from scratch for both of us. I mean, for, yeah, for me and the rest of the family. Okay, then that's not so bad then. Then, um... It's not so bad. And my chicken and meat recipes. I mean, there are recipes I created for my blog that became a staple in my house because my kids tasted it, and now we eat that particular recipe like <laughs> twice a week because they love it. Right. So then, actually, speaking of your blog, then, so how do you go from okay, I'm doing this thing um, to make me feel better in terms of my health. Um, my family's kind of sort of getting into it. How do you go from that to saying okay, now I want to share what I'm making in my kitchen with the rest of the world? Ah, uh, let's see. So. So after I started on the keto diet, I began to experiment um, with different, you know, different creations. Some of it was online. I mean, some was already online and I took inspiration from, you know, different places. Mm -hmm. And I began to create this food. And then family and friends started asking me about it. That way, you know, you you make fufu with cauliflower. How do you do that? And then people started, started noticing the interest was building. But I was still kind of, I didn't think about starting a blog till my husband goes, no, babe, you should start a blog. And, and I said, no, I'm like, why am I going to start a blog? <laughs> like, I didn't really know a lot about blogging, mm-hmm. what it entails, what it's about. If, if they even make money, I had no clue. And he, he must have told me real, seriously, maybe five times. And the fifth time he was like, babe, you should really look into this. Like he was insistent. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, wait, let me go, let me, let me do some research. And I went online and um, I mean, for days, I'm just researching other food bloggers. I'm researching, you know, those are very profitable, what they do. I joined all these um, food blogger Facebook groups and I was amazed that wait a minute there are people that are actually full-time bloggers and they make money yeah i I didn't know that was a thing i thought thought people just blogged randomly what was mind and stuff like that or just what i had for lunch you know but i realized really quickly that this was a whole different there was a whole world out there that i could share my recipes with and I wasn't even looking at just Africans. I mean, just, you know, Nigerians in Nigeria. I'm thinking a lot of my friends here that were Nigerians had never heard of the keto diet. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, let me, let me try. And then, you know, the blog was born. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, to your point, like about not ma- making it just Nigerian, it, it looks like you have recipes from all over the continent, right? Like I see Kenyan recipes. I see yes. um, stuff from South Africa and all of that stuff. So how did you, I mean, one, so you, you sort of mentioned that, you know, you wanted to expand beyond Nigeria, but then how are you balancing like the authentic recipes from all these different places, especially places that you're not from with, you know, your recipe development to make it more keto-friendly or more low-carb friendly. And then, yeah, I, I, let's do that first. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that was a bit challenging at first. And in the early days, I kind of 
stayed away from things I wasn't familiar with. Yeah. Because you know, I was kind of being really careful. And then um, and then I, I had to really rethink my strategy because if I'm only gonna cook Nigerian food, we we only have a certain number of Nigerian dishes. Mm. So I don't wanna put like a hundred Nigerian recipes and then and then be done yeah. and then not know where else to look. So from the beginning, I decided to incorporate not only other African dishes, but actually take like standard American dishes and throw in some of my African spices. Mm. Like just really created fusion of dishes just to make it interesting. And um, of course, I worried a bit about the authenticity of the recipes because if I make a, a, a Kenyan Sukuma wiki, how am I sure that a Kenyan will taste it and go, yeah, this is this is how we do it, you know? Yeah. So when I do recipes like that that I'm not familiar with, I do a lot of research. Mm. I mean, I'm, I watch a lot of YouTube videos and <sighs> I look at those videos that are made not by professionals, by, you know, the mothers in Kenya, yeah. like old YouTube videos, because I want to see how is it authentically done. And so when I get when I get all this information and I put it in my blog, I always mention the authentic recipe for the authentic recipe. This is what is included, oh. but I'm also going to add this and, and a little bit, a little that just to spice things up. Okay. That's, so, that's, that's, that's so interesting. And it's true what you say about YouTube too, because like I've gone down the YouTube rabbit hole sometimes looking for recipes and you, and you're right. Sometimes it's not uh, nothing against like, Obviously, I'm talking to you, a food blogger, but nothing against yeah. food bloggers and like young up and coming. But like you'll see aunties making <laughs> yeah. making food in their you know old school way, and it's that's yes. like where you get the true sometimes the best authentic um recipes to recreate at home. So yes, that's exactly. probably the best way to do it. Um, I think we're at a good point to take a break. And then when we come back from the break, we've been talking a lot about keto. We're throwing the word around. (laughs) I think we need to take a step back and actually define what that means, like what the diet specifically means. And then kind of tie it back to some of the things we've talked about in terms of representing it through African food. And maybe you can give us some examples of food. Maybe we can talk about some popular African foods and how you can make them more keto friendly. Sure. Um, Okay. So we'll take a break and then when we come back, more keto talk. I'm Ethan Frisch, co-host of Why Food and co-founder of Burlap and Barrel, a public benefit corporation working directly with smallholder spice farmers around the world to source unique, beautiful spices for professional chefs and home cooks. We set our partner farmers up to export their own crops for the first time and they get access to a whole new market here in the U.S., and we get access to spices that other companies can't source. We're honored to work with restaurants including 11 Madison Park, Blue Hill, and Chez Panisse, as well as thousands of home cooks across the country. Visit us at burlapandbarrel.com. So we're back um, and ready to talk keto. So when, when we've, we've, we've mentioned keto so many times, I'm sure... I mean, you can go Google it, but I want to, I want us to define it. <laughs> what does, what does a keto diet consist of? What does it mean to go keto? So keto is actually short for the word ketosis, which oh, is, okay. yeah, which is a, a, a state the body reaches where it doesn't burn 
glucose for fill and burnt fat instead. So to go on a keto diet, um, so sometimes it's called low carb, high fats, which is which was oh, the original interesting. name. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it refers to eating kind of really low carbs, roughly twenty to twenty five grams of car carbs, medium protein, and high fats. When they say high fat, they don't mean you know just go gorge on every fat in <laughs> yeah, that, that actually that actually almost sent a red flag when you say high fat when you say high fat because i'm like hmm i don't know if that's supposed to be good for me yeah I, 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 i've learned the hard way that high fat doesn't mean just go gorge because you can put on weight on the keto diet yeah. actually when they refer to high fat they're talking about not only the, the good um, sources of fat like avocado mm. and nuts, nuts like yeah. peanuts or walnuts, um, you know, olive oil, just healthy fats that will make you full. So fat is actually what makes people full. You know, that's why when you drink um, 0% or skim milk, it feels empty because there's no fats. So oh. fat is what makes you full. And you just need to eat enough fat to make you full. That doesn't mean that your plate of food should be swimming in three cups of olive oil. <laughs> That's not the point, you know. Usually, and like what I do is I like to eat an avocado almost every day. Okay. Because that is one of the best sources yes. of mm. healthy fats that will fill you up. And, you know, it's actually good for the body. So there is a right and a wrong way to do the keto diet. I've seen people just fat bombs okay mm. fat bomb is like a very high fat keto snack and there's a time and a place for for a fat bomb you know if you're just sometimes if you're just run down you need something sweet you know to perk you up but i've seen people that just eat a ton of fat bombs every day and yeah. just consume all that fat and then they come say oh you know i've gained five pounds well you're eating quite a bit of food <laughs> so the the, the the secret or the, the, the best way to do it is just make sure you're eating, you know, non-processed food. So even if you're going to eat um, some fat, make sure it's natural, you know, like I said, yeah. the avocado is not non-processed food. And then what happens is as you as your body tries to switch from burning glucose to burning fat, it enters a state where it's... The best way to say is like a little bit confused. It's like, wait, what's happening? Suddenly I have no glucose and I need energy. So you, oh. you, most people have something called the keto flu. Hmm. So the keto flu, you kind of feel like you have the flu. Like you feel run down because your body is trying to switch. Your body is adjusting to. Thank you. For like all your life, your body used glucose as energy. And now you're not giving it what it needs. So your body doesn't understand what's going on. So there's a phase of two to four days where you really feel run down, like weak and tired. And you can, you can make that a little better by um, having some electrolytes or broth soup mm -hmm. to really balance the electrolytes in your body. But then when you go through that keto flu state, your body switches fully to burning fats for feel and i tell you the result is amazing you feel <laughs> alert like for real no more afternoon slumps you don't you don't feel run down after eating eating a heavy meal you feel alert once once you start eating like 
eating keto foods the right way. Even like I know the first thing that happened to me was that my sleep got regulated. I started oh. getting tired at about eight or nine p.m. and waking up early because I'm a night owl. If you let me, I'll stay up <laughs> three a.m. I'll be up for real. But um, it helps me regulate my sleep. It's like it resets things in the body. Yeah, I I find that to be interesting because I've I've also spoken to a few people on because I'm sure you you've also seen this a vegan movement in the African food community. So there's a lot of yeah. like African vegan food, and yeah. one of the things I've always questioned, particularly with the vegan community, is the lack of certain nutrients in in there that I didn't feel was as balanced and that there were the certain foods that were being added or you know whether vitamins or processed foods even to make up for, yes um the nutrients that were missing and so I have I've never been I mean while I respect people's decisions I've never been fully convinced on the keto on the not keto on the vegan diet because I just didn't feel it was balanced and yeah. I didn't know I didn't know as much about keto um until actually you shared it. Like I tried not to read about it. I wanted to, to hear it from you so I, so I could react um, in in real time. Um, yeah. And it sounds more balanced, to be honest. It sounds like you have you have the car. Like I remember growing up in school, <laughs> what we learned in GSS or SSS. Yeah. Like, you, know, you need to have your your carbs you need to have your fats you need to have your proteins you need to have a balanced diet in general and then it's yes. i guess it's about the ratio right of, of what, what that looks like on your plate exactly um, which sounds probably more reasonable to me i suppose um yes but i, I it's <laughs> you i mean you said you you know your, your family has adapted somewhat or at least they don't have to change their diet as much but i i wonder as you interact with people who come across your blog or just in general what their reaction is, especially to the lower content of carb, like having a smaller portion of fufu. Like, let's not even let's say we're not even changing the the fufu recipe, but just a smaller yeah. portion. <laughs> I would imagine that that alone would be would be a challenge to overcome. I have actually converted a few people. Like, I didn't even know I was a natural saleswoman. <laughs> like, I am a keto preacher. I am all over the place. Like, if I meet someone and we get talking, I throw my blog in there somehow. <laughs> of course, I also have a food blog, you know? <laughs> and they go, what's it about? And then it's like they open up the, <laughs> the dam and I just let loose. I'm like, well... You know, I talk about the diet and the food we eat. And I talk, I always share my story because people relate to a story. Right. Yeah. And I always talk about and when people say, oh, the keto diet is not good. or it's a fad. I get that a lot. Oh, it's a fad. Oh, psh, I've heard about that. It's, it's not good. I'm like, well, this is how it helped me. Yeah. And immediately I get their attention. And, I, and then they, they go, wow, for real? I'm like, honestly, I'm telling you the truth. This is how it helped me. It might not be for everybody, but, you know, you can try it and see. It's, it's not a life sentence. You could try it for one month. If you don't like it, then it's okay. And, and I've I, converted quite a few people with that conversation. And actually, as I think about it now, I'm just processing as you're, you're, you're speaking, how with some of these, as you were talking about fads or whatever, you know, whether it's gluten-free, vegan, whatever, um, yeah. A lot of the times, what makes it challenging, I think, for people in the African community to follow these 
lifestyles if you will is that you go online and you see the recipes that are out there and it's like stuff that you don't relate with right and so you're looking at all these recipes or these ingredients and it's like oh the, the amount of work i have to <laughs> to even like one i don't want to have asparagus or so whatever it is <laughs> number one because i don't it's just not in my palate and then you know so i have to adapt to that and then on top of that all the different other constraints that come with this new diet and so um your i think about you know your blog you know your instagram account as like a great resource now that i because i was thinking as i was listening to you i was thinking okay if i decide to do this like where would i go and then it hit me die <laughs> of course i would go to to your site because for me like we eat probably 80 percent 90 percent african food um yeah. and so to a lot of the times when i think about like i I've also like I've had weight issues and stuff and every time I've tried to go on something like it meant having to give up African food completely yeah so to to do for something like this um and for you being a resource in that way and especially considering the fact that you you know you're doing a broad spectrum of food across the continent and not just Nigeria I think it's, it's really wonderful and Thank so you. as we let's talk about specific foods <laughs> okay so, sure. we let's start with with the the number one jollof so if i was gonna change uh my jollof to a more keto low carb friendly version like what 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 how would i make it differently the most popular substitute for rice is cauliflower rice oh. and you hear a lot about a lot of people don't like it because they complain about, you know, it's not the same and it tastes weird. And, but I always tell them that, first of all, nothing is, can replace rice. I mean, rice is rice, right? Yeah. So we, we only need a close enough substitute that will make you, that will kind of trick your brain that, you know, this tastes good. I like the taste. And that's all that really needs to happen. If your brain can connect and say, you know what? Oh, I feel like I'm eating jollof rice. This tastes just like jollof rice. Then you're good. And so what I do is for for regular rice, it has to, I mean, when you're making jollof rice, you know, you you fry your blended tomatoes, pepper and onions, and you add your water. The, the rice has to cook, so you need all that water. And it takes a little longer because rice is, you know, it's kind of hard. Yeah. You have to cook it till it gets tender. But for cauliflower rice, you don't even have to. The process is so much shorter because all you have to do is, you know, after frying your blended vegetables, you just add the cauliflower rice and stir it. And I'm telling you, like, my husband is Nigerian. He is from <laughs> a place called Ondo State. Any Nigerian listen to this podcast, when you hear I have a husband from Ondo State, they're gonna go, oh, they don't joke with like their fufu and their dishes. They they are not flexible at all. My husband will eat my keto jello fries. And he is, he's very blunt and I encourage him to be blunt about how my food tastes because I need the real feedback. Yeah. He loves it. Cause he goes, even though you know this is not rice, but the taste, the flavors are the same. Yeah. So and that's what's important. If I can duplicate, if I can replicate these flavors in my dishes, that's really all that matters. Okay, so I'm gonna. You've convinced me to to try. I will try this 
cauliflower. I I look up on your on your um Instagram on your blog to see all right people because I I was gonna say when you said cauliflower like I to be honest I was skeptical because also you remember when I I said I've done different diets and whatnot I'm just trying to lose yeah. weight so cauliflower always comes up right and I just yeah. never it just never um clicked with me I think. And and maybe like you're you're right. Maybe with when it absorbs like the flavor and the spices of the sauce, the jollof sauce, it may yeah. be a little bit more interesting. Um, but I've just never enjoyed it, you know. Yeah. And and I think there was something about the texture. Like I'll go and look at the recipe too because I think maybe I also didn't cook it right because it always came out a little bit like mushy. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> Um, so maybe I'll follow specifically your recipe and maybe share. But actually, let's do. I'll commit to that. I'll try it and share around the time this podcast comes out, so that, and then yeah. I'll give my verdict on how that goes. Because uh, that yeah. for cauliflower for me is is like one. Okay, yeah. so we've 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 done jollof. Um, what else? Fufu. Let's say fufu. Ah, uh, that's always a good one. Um, fufu is. The, the first thing I tell people about fufu, like Nigerians, like I have a friend, a really close friend in Houston, mm-hmm. and she, every time I talk about my keto fufu, she rolls her eyes. She's like, oh, <laughs> God, I'm never going to eat that. But then I ask her, I'm like, think about it. When you eat fufu, what is fufu made of? Fufu has no tastes. Yeah. It's, it's, made, it's meant to be bland because the soup, you need to eat it with the exactly. soup, right? And I'm like, think about it. We make... We make fufu from all these different things, like, you know, cassava or, or, you know, or wheat. I know in the North, they make it with wheat or, you know, corn or different things. I'm like, well, sit down and try eating fufu without soup. You're going to say it's nasty. I'm like, that's the whole point of my keto fufu. It has no taste or flavor. So it's a perfect substitute because... All you care about is the soup. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Exactly. <laughs> that makes sense. So, what do you? What do you? What's your um replacement? What do you make fufu with? Well, how do you make a keto fufu? I have about five, if I'm not mistaken, five keto fufu recipes. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. so you know that I'm researching because <laughs> I'm doing the research. I'm doing the work for you guys. <laughs> so I have a cauliflower with cabbage. With eggplants, with almond flour. Oh with wow! Flour. So cabbage, yeah, the cabbage. Okay. The the one thing that is common to all the different fufu recipes I have is a binder known as psyllium husk. Okay. So psyllium husk, so gluten free flours or vegetables or anything that is not with regular flour or, or has carbs doesn't have gluten, right? So gluten right. is back together. Yep. But if you try to make keto fufu without gluten, I don't know what it's gonna. It's gonna look. Like, <laughs> uh, good luck with that. It's not gonna work. You need okay. the binder, okay. and the binder. Yeah, the binder is just need like a teaspoon, and it binds it, and and you know you can get the whole fufu texture and the look. Yeah, I but, mean I've seen I've seen pictures online, and it looks it looks like fufu, like if you didn't you know especially I think like stuff the probably cassava the ones that look whiter it looks like fufu yes. like I wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell unless you you wouldn't yes. what it was made of yeah yeah the the one I make the most is the, the newest one I have is an almond I make that a lot because it's literally two minutes 
and I need something quick. Like I'm like, oh wow, there's soup in the house. All right, I'm getting my almond flour and making my fufu in two minutes, ready to eat. So those are really good examples and really easy ways. I mean, you, you guys, if you are listening and want to try it, you can um, go online, check it out. Um, but I will be trying the jollof one in particular because this cauliflower thing has been the bane of my existence for years. So yeah. <laughs> I want to see how it works um, for in, in a jollof in a jollof recipe. Um, so what's what's next? You've done all, you've, you've you know you've done a lot up until now. What do you think is next for uh, your blog, Low Carb Africa? What do you want to do next as you think about the upcoming? Well, this year, we have anybody's plans for this year, pretty much. <laughs> For the most part, gone up in flames. Um, but as you think about, you know, the longer horizon, what do you hope or aspire to um, to do with the blog? Um, I'm hoping, you know, sometime next year to to get a cookbook out because oh, nice. I've had a lot of requests about a cookbook. Um, I might do an, an ebook and a physical one. Um, I know that's a little bit more involved, but it's something I look forward to, you know, in the future. And I'm also, I know I'm a little ambitious with my plans. I'm hoping to appear on, you know, like all this TV network shows to really showcase African food. I don't really yeah. see that happening a lot. So I like to dream big. I don't know when that's going to happen, but <laughs> my dream. No, keep, keep doing what you're doing. I think you have a unique uh, spot in the, in the food space and, um, just your viewpoint and your personal story in addition to it, I think makes a compelling case for, for being on, on bigger platforms, right? Cause, and this is one of the things I, I always talk about online about how you see a quote unquote global cooking show or, um, competition and it's only Europe or America that's on. Yes what's really global about this <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, that's, I a, that's a story for another day um so before we transition to the rapid fast segment can you let people know where they can find you online so the blog um instagram accounts facebook what's the handle what's the website sure so my blog is www.lowcapafrica.com very easy to remember I do low carb African food. So lowcapafrica.com. And I have the same um, handle with Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter. You can find oh, me. Oh, you're on Pinterest. I'm everywhere. <laughs> that's pretty smart, actually. I think, actually, that that's pretty smart because there's not a lot of people that um, I've spoken to. that, And I've been thinking about going on Pinterest even for the podcast because that's a place where people go to discover stuff a lot even yeah. i do like I, I pin a lot of recipes for on pinterest because then you can yeah. save it on your board and whatever but i've never thought you know, uh, you know that's that's actually really good so i mean i think whoever is listening i know some of the people that listen on a regular basis are food bloggers also um <laughs> pinterest is a great platform yeah that i guess people miss out on that's that's really good i'll find you on pinterest <laughs> thank you um great okay so we're gonna transition to a rapid fire segment um oh i was gonna mention that you play the guitar I, that's like a random thing i i learned i was like that's really cool <laughs> yeah I'm, i i keep taking long breaks and then when i go back i forget what i've learned <laughs> 
but I'm I'm very um, musical oriented. You know, I like music. I like to, I like to play instruments. I'm hoping to eventually learn how to play the piano as well. Oh, that's you know? cool. Yeah, yeah. One of my really good friends, the same actually. She, she well, I wouldn't say she plays. She was learning how to play the guitar, but she she well, she was taking piano seriously, and she was actually even um. She had a remote, like a Zoom piano instructor oh, nice. <laughs> for a while, just because she was trying to recommit to it. So, um, yeah, that's that's. I just thought that was interesting because there's very few people. She's also Nigerian, so I guess now I know two Nigerian women who play, oh. who play like who play around with the guitar, if you will. That's awesome. Um. Okay. So rapid for I actually think you answered this question um earlier on, but let's see. Um, morning person or night person? Night person, but I'm trying so hard to be a morning person. <laughs> why though? Why? Why do you why try to force yourself to do something? Here? Because because it's it's weird. I like staying up at night, late at night, but when I wake up early in the morning, I'm more productive. Mm, yeah, so I have a conflict going on in me, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm definitely a morning person, and I find that yeah, I think I feel like by three o'clock, like I hit a slump, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing else like productive really productive i can do um okay starter or dessert starter not a sweet tooth you don't have a, i have a, never been a sweet uh, tooth yeah. you can almost i don't have a lot of dessert recipes on my blog yeah that's true more. actually <laughs> i don't need to add more <laughs> <laughs> um what's one ingredient you couldn't live without bullion Bullion powder, um, mm-hmm. known as Maggie Cube in Nigeria. Yeah, that's true. And then, would you rather lose your sense of smell or your sense of taste? Ah, uh, 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 let's see. Quickly, quickly, quickly. My sense of smell. That's a hard con- one. Yeah, that's a hard one. I also <laughs> feel like they are connected a little bit. Actually. Yeah, that's a hard one. But, um, and then the last question, if you could live on one dish for the rest of your life, what would that be? Uh, uh, cauliflower jello fries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I really should go and try this cauliflower jello fries is what I'm being told. <laughs> All right. So on that high note, <laughs> I'd like to thank you so much for your time. Um, I learned so much from listening to your story you. and learning, you know, about this diet lifestyle. A lot of us have, um, when I say a lot of us, um, I'm speaking specifically now about Africans and Africans in the diaspora. Uh, we have this connection to our food and as we learn more about how our diet affects our health, especially as we grow older, um, it's hard to let go of what we've always known to be comfort food. And so it's great to come across people like you that are allowing us to enjoy our food (laughs) in a way that is still healthy and and good for us. So I appreciate the work that you do. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to item 13, an African food podcast. If you like the show, Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. To keep up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Item13Podcast. Item13 is powered by Simplecast. 
Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.